0: This is Do School Better, a podcast for people who wanna transform education. My name is Doris Corda, and for the past several years, I've been training educators. Listen to these episodes and hear about some of the extraordinary programs they've created. We call these pioneers the fire starters. See if you can get some ideas that you can implement yourself to change your own practice. In this episode, Doris speaks with Scott Looney, Founder of the Mastery Transcript Consortium and head of Hawkins School, Scott discusses an initiative to bring important change to the college admissions process. Hi, Scott. Hey, Doris. I'm so excited about this podcast because you and I have been partners in crime for uh, over what, like six years. Yeah. And just for the listeners to hear, I usually say, "Can you tell us about yourself?" I'm going to take. I'm going to be obnoxious and tell everybody about you. <laughs> so. Scott Looney is the head of Hawkins School, which is a phenomenal progressive, uh, preschool through 12 day school in Cleveland, Ohio, that I have had the great privilege to be part of for these last six years. And Scott, uh, has been head of Hawkins School for 11 years and came into the schools. Uh, Hawkins was the really first progressive School, private school in Cleveland, Ohio, back in starting in 1915. And um, over the course of its hundred year history in the 70s and 80s and 90s, kind of lost its way a little bit and actually a lot and really became a bit of a slave to APs and standardized tests and all that stuff and lost its way. And the board. Had the courage and bravery and foresight to, um, and I I don't say that lightly. I know this very well. To bring Scott Looney in to Hawken, to bring it back to its progressive roots and take it into the future. Scott had had been uh, leading the school and had created the vi- the new vision for the school and had been here for five years when. He had the courage, or uh, or maybe stupidity—I don't know—it <laughs> depends on the day—to uh, bring me in as the associate head of the school and um, partner with him to make the vision real. And so, it—I'd been here about a month um, as associate head, running the academic side of Hawken and partnering with Scott. And some of you may have heard me talk about this earlier when Scott, you asked me hey, with your background, do you want to also create an entrepreneurship program? And, and, you know, six years later, of course, all this has happened. And um, what we're here to talk about today is a really exciting thing that actually, Scott, I'd love to talk a little bit about where it came from before we get into discussing this extraordinary, brave, new mission that you're, uh, you're leading and that is becoming not only a national movement, but I think is, is soon going to become an, an international movement. So anyway, okay. enough of me.
1: Thanks, Doris. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have an opportunity to talk about the Mastery Transcript Consortium. And, and yeah, we've picked up schools, not just in the US, but kind of all over the world at this point.
0: Yeah, and look look where we are. From where we start to, you know, let's talk about where this even, how this even started, where you Mm -hmm. came up with this.
1: Sure. Well, as you know, we, we, six years ago, (laughs) um, started trying to deconstruct school and replace it with learning at Hawken, and it became pretty clear that there were a number of obstacles in the way, and we've spent time over the last few years trying to clear those out of the way. Um, at yeah, at we one have. point,
0: we, we look at both of us. We we are both thirty two years old, and look at us. We look at them, <laughs> but we've been through to together. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, your math's not great, but yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: but what we're really trying to figure out is what are the things in the way of learning, and, and some of the constructs of school are those things. And so, it became clear that to try to incrementally change a hundred year old prep school was going to take too long for either of our levels of patience, and so. About four years ago, we got permission from the Board of Trustees and really the faculty to create a school within a school, an alternative high school track that was all based on, you know, some premises that make more sense to us, like, you know, no grades, no grade levels, um, all interdisciplinary learning, all real-world applied learning. And the entrepreneurship program was the genesis of all that and really the best exemplar of what it ought to look like. But as you found out teaching entra, and we found out, as we thought about what would a whole high school track look like, grades and the traditional transcript were a huge impediment. Yeah, um, it's one
0: thing to create it, it's another thing to teach it and try right. to get it then I, having done both. Right, I, yeah. and as,
1: as you said many times to me, issuing grades at the back end of a, a completely team-based experiential...
0: Portfolio-based. Portfolio-based
1: right. is, is completely counter to the whole... Whole idea. So we thought we needed a new transcript for our little lab school, and we just figured we'd go find one. We figured there's thirty seven thousand high schools in the United States. There has to be somebody out there who's got one similar to what we want.
0: We actually really did believe that. We thought, oh, oh yeah, let's no, be. We well, can't, we're you know, not that special. Hey,
1: wait, no, we don't yeah. want to reinvent the wheel. If, if there's a good example out there, we'll just borrow it, adjust it, modify it, and move move on so our we way. We don't have it, to
0: have the great transcript. And
1: yeah. then we ran into two big problems. One. Um, the transcript that we were looking for doesn't exist. We hired Hanover Research uh, to do a kind of a national survey of transcripting practices. And they came back and said, yeah, there are a handful, only about 1% of all the high schools in the United States don't have grades. But even those high schools mostly issue transcripts with content labeled courses in Carnegie Units, a timestamp for how long kids sat somewhere. Um, we didn't believe them. We made them do it again. They went back out, looked around and said, no, they're really, they're, what you're modeling is doesn't exist. So we were the little engine that could, and we figured, well, well, gosh darn it, we'll just create our own. So we started creating transcript models. Um, and I'm fortunate because my background, I know a lot of college admission deans. So I started, you know, running them by deans of admission at pretty selective colleges and they all had the exact same reaction, which is they they understood why we were doing it. They thought it was a neat model. They said, wow, this will you'd really produce interesting kids if you did this." And we said, "Thank you. That's that's the goal." Um, and then they said, "Why well, would you be the only high school with this kind of transcript?" And we we say, said, yes. "Yeah, we, we yeah we created it. Uh, so yeah, we would be using it." And they said, "Yeah, we're going to hate it." And I I said, "Well, could do tell? Can you tell me why you're going to hate it?" Well, Scott, if your transcript's unique, if you have a one of a kind transcript. We have thousands of applications we have to read. We have very little time to read them. I don't have time to stop and train my admission people in real time. And so we kind of gave up for a little while and thought, okay, I guess we can't create our own transcript. And then... We
0: were still going to build... You know, you and I were still going ahead. Right. Here's how our lab school is going to work. And it's going to be based on all the methods in the ENTRE class and the portfolio-based assessment, all this great stuff. And we were going to still slap a grade on it.
1: Yeah. Because we figured that was our only choice. And then I had a conversation with one of the same deans who I'd showed this to before, and I said, "Hey, by chance, what if I brought twenty-five other prep schools with me?" And we didn't—it wasn't just Hawken having unique transcript. And that person said the same thing five or six other deans told me, which was, "Oh, well, that would be completely different if you were doing this as a group. If there were a group of schools doing it, well, then I would take the time to train my readers um, how to read these transcripts, assuming you know the format wasn't too non-traditional." And So I said, okay, I'll be back. And that was the genesis of the mastery transcript. So I spent about six months making phone calls to prep school administrators I knew who were friends, talking them into coming to Cleveland for two days to have a conversation about what would it look like to create a group. And we talked 30 schools into coming to Cleveland for a two-day kind of seminar workshop. And we very intentionally showed them what was happening in the entrepreneurship club.
0: Yeah, so they could see a model of what this could look like.
1: And they could hear from the kids what it felt like. And then we very strategically took them over to the Cleveland Clinic Case Western Reserve University Medical School, uh, the Lerner Medical College, to meet with med students who were not getting grades, who were going through a completely project and problem-based medical school with no grades attached. And this is a very selective med school. And no
0: lectures, they said. And no lectures, uh,
1: very, very much what we were trying to build. And, and these were all kids who came out cause the learner is a pretty selective med school. These are all kids who went to the, the most selective universities with straight A averages. Um, and listening to them talk about the difference of what it felt like to learn, to ask for feedback from your supervising physician because you wanted to grow versus trying to figure out how to get an A was, was so compelling. I mean, literally it brought some of the people in the audience to tears and, and we had hoped that if we could get maybe 15 of the 30 schools that visited to join, we might have something. And 26 of the 30 joined immediately. And, Which was crazy. And by the way, it yeah. was
0: 29, 26 out of 29. Not that I'm counting or anything. No, ultimately yeah.
1: three more joined. So we got up to 29 out of 30. But that was a sign that not only was this not a crazy idea, but, that it, but it was an idea whose time had come. You know, you and I talk yeah. about this all the time. We go to all these conferences on innovation and learning. And it's fun, and we always hear these wonderful keynote speakers who are, on one hand, inspiring because they're usually brilliant, but on the other hand, they're kind of depressing because, more often than not, they tell you how messed up the system is.
0: Brilliantly tell you how and messed up it is. And
1: I came to this conference because I knew that. That's why. And But they rarely, if ever, give really th- concrete ways to fix the system. They might give you little tools. You might do something back at your school, but they don't give you the how, and and. And we all know that the, the fundamental construct of school is, deserves being challenged right now, but there aren't vehicles by which we can challenge the whole system. The beauty of the Mastery Transcript Consortium is when you get a 100 diverse and impressive prep schools to join forces and decide we are, want to do it this way, um, our partners will listen. They'll say, oh, wow, these are pretty, these are pretty significant schools. They have schools with very high academic standards if they want to do this, there must be something to this. Um, So the idea can't be dismissed out of hand when you have a group of schools that are renowned for their kind of academic standards deciding they want to do something together.
0: Yeah, and we never ever thought of this as something for private schools or private schools kids. Uh, We wanted, I mean, you and I from the first minute we met, we've talked about wanting to use pri- independent schools because we don't have the restrictions public schools have. Absolutely. Not because we're better but just we don't have the restrictions so we feel a responsibility to serve as a laboratory yep. um, and really what you're talking about is we decided that um, we, we want to find a way to get the colleges to accept a non-grade transcript because that is the that's the lever that it has yeah. to open up.
1: When, in addition to a non-graded transcript, a transcript that actually shows the full shape of a yes. child, that gives them institutional credit for things beyond content knowledge. Exactly. Every transcript, 99% of the transcripts in the United States are content-labeled courses with letter grades after them. But how do you give a kid credit for persistence, resilience, integrity, teamwork, leadership, or even, even what would be considered academic skills, creative thinking, critical thinking, um, complex systems thinking? How do you give them a credit that we don't currently do that? And so.
0: Yeah. And just for a second, yeah. I mean, I not think about what I always say to people when I'm talking to people about this. And they, one of the hard things about educate, being an educator is everybody's been themselves through school. (laughs) So, so everybody has their own notion of, well, this is what school should look and feel like. But when, when you say to somebody, think about what it tells you about a kid. If you look at a transcript, it has a list and you said it, but just to really get your head into that before you go further in describing the model for the mastery transcript. You get a, right now, these kids work so hard in high school. They're all different. They're all doing very different things. And if you and I are graduating from the same high school at the same time, we might have even taken mostly the same courses. So that might- Same tr- GPA,
1: same courses, Or night. even if it's a yep. different
0: GPA. So there's yep. you have a list of courses that said you sat your butt in the seat for a semester in this class and that class and that class and that class. I maybe sat in the same classes- the class titles are all listed there. Mm-hmm. And maybe you got a 3.8 and I got a 3.2. Mm-hmm. But what do you know?
1: Right. beyond that about us. Yeah. And, and so back to this idea of wanting to be inclusive, it became clear to us that what we were trying to do is create a movement to change the paradigm. And so that's not exactly a small undertaking. <laughs> and, and it's strategically wise that if you're going to take on something big, you break it into digestible pieces and you, and you start with the simple, the most simple version first. And the, in the educational construct, independent schools have the most latitude, the most freedom to, to do things differently. We also have a seldom talked about characteristic that, that is is potentially useful in this scenario, which is that we're our students are disproportionately represented in the most selective colleges in the United States. We're nine times overrepresented in the Ivy Leagues. So those colleges trust our academic standards. They're used to having our students, and they would still like to get more of them. And so it gives us... Even, of,
0: even though it's totally unfair and we could do a whole another podcast. No, I, it. it is what it is,
1: right? And it's not fair. I mean, you and I both talked about this. If I had my way, schools like ours shouldn't have to exist. Absolutely. Every kid should have an education that's comparable to the one that And there worked. should be
0: a school blind application process.
1: But our society <laughs> does not invest the resources yep. so in and, and anyway. So we want this whatever we build to be accessible by all sectors. However Trying to take on all of the various state requirements as an opening effort um, was a little bit tricky. So we started with the universe that we know. Um, what I would also say about our effort, which is important for people to know, is that we're not trying to game the system. This will be actually a much more transparent way of showing kids because our model is not just your transcript is no longer a single piece of paper. Your transcript is now electronic. Everything on it is clickable. You click on a credit, it takes you to the standard underneath that credit, shows you what is the standard that institution held this child to. You click on the standard, and it actually takes you to the portfolio, which is full of both work product, things that kids actually produced, and feedback from teachers and other sources that give a sense of what did this child learn.
0: So, right now, I'm working in an admissions office in a college, I get thousands of Mm -hmm. applicants. I look at their GPA, mm-hmm. I look at uh, maybe their list of courses, where they honors, not honors. Mm-hmm. Um, because grades have been inflated mm-hmm. so much, there's very little difference between right. you know, there are ton- the numbers we found out in our research are crazy yep. in terms of the number, the number of kids graduating with straight A's. The only thing I have to look at then is the results on standardized tests that we already know right. don't correlate to success in life.
1: Yeah, and, and the you know colleges need three things from us, which we think we can deliver for them. Um, this is what you learned. What yeah, you right. Learned. And one of them is super pragmatic. We need They need a, a one-page transcript that can be written under two minutes. They need to know the difference between the kids at the top of our class and the middle of our class. And, and then lastly, they want to know the shape of the child. Our system will be much more effective at showing this shape of the child and... It will provide them a whole new universe of tools for assessing kids. For example, right now, if, if you and I took the same writing class, a creative writing class, and we both got A-minuses in that. All that's, they, all I know. that's all <laughs> they know. That this we took the same class and got A-minuses. What if there's a? What if it turned out you were extraordinary at poetry, writing poetry? And I actually, that's why I got the minus, is that when I got to the poetry part, I really struggled with that. But there were other things that I was really good at. Here's another example Right now, if if I'm a student who loves math and science and I took a lot of classes that were math and science related and I apply to college and my essay is brilliant. It's the best written essay that they've seen come along. Chances are they might question that. They may go, wait, this is a math science kid. This is the beauty of our system is they can click on that writing credit. And they can look at the actual writing I submitted in class and they compare it against the essay. If it turns out the essay is so much better, they realize my mom probably wrote it. Oh, yeah, his mom's a college English professor? Hmm, that makes sense. Maybe he didn't write this essay by himself. On the other hand, they can click on the essay and see that they wrote at school and go, wow, this is as good as the essay they submitted. This kid's also a good writer. Not only is this child obviously good at science and math, this kid's also a really good writer. They can verify. Right now, they can't verify anything we send them. They don't know why. Imagine, and this happens all the time. So a school hires a brand new teacher. Brand new teacher is super enthusiastic. But brand new teacher doesn't have any sense of the standards and misgrades a whole section of kids, either too hard or too easily. How does the college know that that kid right. got an A that they shouldn't really should have been a B? They don't right. know that. Right. Right? Because a grade is not an institutional measure. A grade is an instructor level measure.
0: And what we've been seeing to, to make it specific so, in entre as the model for all this, these students have been using portfolios and they've been taking their right. work, their best work. So, they're taking the best examples that they decide are their best examples of work mm-hmm. to get credits in certain things. Right. Uh, creative problem solving critical thinking. Well,
1: and you just said something really important. They're looking at their own work. They're assessing their own work. In a mastery-based system, it requires the students to actively and regularly judge their own performance. In a teacher-based graded system, you just turn it in and you cross your fingers and you wait for judgment. All you're getting is judged constantly. In a mastery-based system, you're supposed to be your own judge. You're supposed to yeah,
0: it's about growth.
1: You're supposed to say how am I doing in order to try to achieve this goal and and achieving a goal, a hard goal, something that looked impossible, is one of the most valuable things we teach kids is how to work and persist through hard things to achieve something. If you're measuring your own growth, you're learning about your own learning. The the metacognition built into a mastery based system is significant. It's one of its greatest features. When you have a teacher graded system, there's very little metacognition. Maybe some teachers are savvy enough to find, build ways that they do it. But in the absence of that, it's basically a call and respond. I get an assignment. I do the assignment. I turn the assignment in. I get judged. I move on. If I think I, if, if I get a bad judgment, I don't internalize it. I don't say, oh gosh, I really need to grow. What kids usually say is that teacher hates me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Because they're feeling judged. I, you know, I use this example. If I said to the faculty at Hawken, would you like it if I judged you all the time? They get really quiet. I'm like, how about if I just handed out letter grades at the end of every year? Yeah. How would that feel? Yeah. And the answer is it would feel crappy. Because basically instead what I'm saying is, hey, here's some professional development dollars. Go be the best teacher you can be. Keep growing. Keep growing. That's the message. But in a graded system, I wouldn't say keep growing. I'd say you had a B minus year, Doris.
0: And Now you're
1: leaving for the summer feeling judged. It doesn't feel any better when you're 16, by the way.
0: Yeah, um, it, do, it doesn't. And what we're talking about here, there is not yet a mastery transcript. We haven't designed it yet. We're nope. collecting a bunch of schools and educators who want to design to it. design it together. We're going to design it together. The tech platform obviously doesn't exist yet either. Mm-hmm. But what happened is that as you and I together started developing the models of education, the methods, that and, see and saw, okay, these kinds of courses with this kind of assessment and this kind of mastery based model are powerful and the students learning is crazy and by the way it is more rigorous and the kids all say coming out of these programs Mm -hmm. it's harder they work Mm -hmm. harder they learn more it it isn't just about soft skills which people talk about Mm -hmm. it's about all kinds of skills it's And it's about deep learning.
1: Well, and we're responding actually to what the colleges are telling us they want from us. If you listen to the rhetoric of any college president right now, what they're saying they want is the same thing, by the way, CEOs of corporations that are doing hiring say they want. They want team players who are critical and creative and who can manage ambiguity with agency and and can handle um, new things thrown at them and are, are facile with technology and understand how to do research. That's who they're asking for. But in the old system, which was designed in 1894 by the Committee of Ten where we break everything up into content-based the uber disciplines. The
0: goal is everybody learns this specific content. Yeah,
1: and that content is is important, but that content is not the whole ballgame, and that content is now less useful than it used to be. Absolutely. And, and that's a fundamental truth, and it's one of the reasons there's this disconnect between employers. Employers are seeing these incredibly well-educated people, and they and they have to retrain them almost upon arrival.
0: Yeah, They've best, spent 16
1: yeah. years getting the most excellent education available to them, and they and they have to start at basically they have to train them up from ground one. Yes, they have some basic skills. They can read and they can write and they're numerate, but pretty much everything else they They've have to been train taught them.
0: Taught school. We've been teaching them what to think, and we haven't been teaching them how to think. And that's exactly with technology. What it is with the um, the easy access to any data you want. What matters most is that students are equipped to solve these hard, complicated problems that don't even exist yet.
1: And they should, along the way, they should also develop personality characteristics and habits
0: Absolutely. that
1: will carry them to lives. And we don't give academic credit for any personality right. characteristics. Here's the personality characteristics, resilience. Everybody says they want resilient kids, but we have a system that tells kids they're not allowed to get an A minus. Tell me how we're supposed to produce resilient kids in a system where you're never allowed to fail. It's completely backwards. We should have kids celebrating failure as learning opportunities. We should teach kids that every time they fall down is an opportunity to figure out how not to trip the next time. But no, we're telling them please don't trip because if you if you slap a B minus on your transcript, your whole college list goes in the toilet. That's not okay. And so we can't produce persistent and resilient kids without building into the system intentional failure. We're not allowed to do that because if kids fail, it goes on their record. Um, that's just wrong. And I don't know of any apprentice model, any mastery based apprentice model in the real world. If you go, if you go, for example, and you're hired by McKinsey as a consultant, right, you probably go into a training program of some kind. In that training program, you're not graded. Maybe at the end you are in terms of summative, like you have learned right. a lot. But typically you're given feedback on progress and asked to keep working and you're allowed to make some mistakes. And in those mistakes, you grow. If you make a lot of mistakes all the time and you're still making as many at the end as the beginning, I suspect that's a failure. Yeah. But this idea that in real time we're supposed to grade every piece in part and judge it and judge it and judge it and judge it and, judge it and then expect to have kids who are not neurotic at the end. And even, you get exactly what you would expect, right? If and you,
0: we tra- tried this out. I mean, we were, we were, we've been building models where the kind of learn apprentice based education yep. models, personalized learning, all the things that, that you'd hope for, and then beating our heads against this grade thing.
1: Well, everybody's—we're all beating our heads collectively. Yeah. So at, at my friends in public schools, parochial schools, Absolutely. other independent schools are all running into the same problem, which is that yeah, we want.
0: We so, all want the same things we, now. We want right? to teach our
1: kids teamwork. We want to teach our kids how to deal with ambiguous problems, but we can't because, and the because is because of the state standards or because of the we have we have X amount of content we have to cover in the AP. Or at the end of the
0: day, my school and me as a teacher, I'm assessed on how well my students do on those standardized tests. That's it. So yeah. we can have all the great right. aspirations we yeah. want.
1: And here's the problem: I don't have any problem with holding kids to high standards. In fact, I don't think. People grow unless there's a standard that hopefully they're holding themselves to that pushes them forward. But if we believe that character matters and skills beyond the basic academic skills are useful in the world, and whether you call those skills habits of mind or or personality characteristics, then we should assess them. And we should try to get kids to master them while they're in high school, while they're fully impressionable. And they'll be more resilient, more persistent. Have greater empathy and integrity when they get to colleges, which will mean their capacity to persist in college, succeed in college, be successful beyond college will go exponential. Because if you ask employers what determines an employee's success, it's not academic, it's not content knowledge and it's not basic academic skills. It's rarely their writing skills. Or their reading skills. It's usually their interpersonal skills. It's usually their capacity to deal with challenge and work with other people. We ought to be assessing that in high school. Why not? And we ought to be we ought to be asking kids to master master some real basic human relational skills before they go up to college. And we should be we should be proud enough of that work to put it on our transcript.
0: And yes, and I want to take you back to the transcript for a minute. So there are all over the world now, uh, schools and educators. Experimenting and developing phenomenal new models of learning—we're mm-hmm. not the only ones developing portfolio-based right, skills, yep. all this stuff. Uh, we've been experimenting, so have others. But the—I um, want to take you back to something because you went kind of quickly when you said, "Doris, I'm going to go ask my friends in the college admissions office, right. and we we're trying to build this lab school." And you came back and you said. Uh, you, I literally remember you saying they said uh, if it's just talk and forget about it, right? And you also said, and Doris, here's what I learned: there are three things they want to they they want yeah. out of this. One of the things they said uh, that you went over kind of quickly was the two minutes, um, and yeah. I want you know as you think about what the mastery transcript brings, talk a minute about sure. that.
1: Sure. So the transcript now. It, is a one-page piece of paper. So at the end of the day, our transcript still has to be, the beginning of our transcript has to be one page. We have to get everything on one page. Now, it's all live, so if you want to click on it and dive into it like I described earlier, you can. But on that one page, the the content will be specific to the institution. If one school wants to give a credit for persistence and another school decides it's not a credit they want to issue, that's fine. If two schools want to give credits for persistence, but they want to define it differently at their schools, that's okay, too. Because remember, with the credit comes the definition. Those colleges will see the definition if there's a difference. But what can't be different is the format of the transcript has to be the same. So if it's called a mastery transcript, we've copyrighted that. If it's called a mastery transcript, it will have a common format because we don't want to make our friends in college admissions crazy if they have to
0: well they won't even do it right i mean right if every if every
1: mastery transcript has a unique layout right um so we don't have the layout created we're going to create multiple models and we're going to test them but once we're ready to kind of go live we'll have a limited set if if even a set of formats so that the college admission officers will know that if they see a mastery transcript it'll look like a it'll look like The format will look the same as every other mastery transcript. The content will be specific to the student in the school, but the format will be the same. And we think that we can hit that two-minute read mark. Now...
0: Which isn't our idea, the two minutes.
1: No, that's the college admission officers have said they give between 60 and 90 seconds to read. And I I said, well, hey, for us, would you give us an extra 30 seconds? They're like, sure, you can have two minutes. (laughs) But what's also important is that a lot of admission works that's really tricky... Is done in the margins. The, the the clearly admissible kids and the clearly uh, re- kids who are not admissible. Those are done quickly at the front end of the process. The vast majority, I did admissions in my back room, the vast majority of admission committee meetings are the kids in the middle. The kids who are right on the acceptable, not acceptable line or right between should we take this kid or should we wait list this kid? In those conversations, you do want more information. You do want more evidence. You do want someone and they saying
0: spend more time.
1: Yeah, someone saying, you know what? We need more kids. We need better RAs. You know, our RAs have been really disappointing. We need more. Well, then we need kids who who've got incredible social emotional intelligence. Well, let's look at these. Ma- Here's a kid with a mastery transcript. Look at look at their SELs. They've got all this stuff on the character side. That kid trumps this kid, even though they have also comparable traditional academics. So and, and we can
0: look at yeah, like absolutely. the kid mastered whatever it is, yeah. we can look at what they produce yeah. to And the other that thing out. that
1: happens too is that there's usually someone in an admission office who's responsible for a region, right? Or for a group of kids. And they're usually one of the first readers. Those people fall in love with certain kids. They really want them to do well in the process. This gives them tools to advocate for their kids. If you've got a mastery transcript, if, if, if you and I are both admission officers and I've got my 20 kids, I really hope get in. You've got your 20 kids really get in. There's only five seats. If my, if my kids are all mastery transcript kids and yours are traditional transcripts, I'm going to win most of those overlaps because I can say, oh, look at this. Look at 30 seconds of this kid's video of debate. This kid's extraordinary. And you've just got a I've transcript with letter scores. grades and test scores.
0: I've got test scores and I've got probably for the wealthier kids essays, somebody helped them write. Exactly.
1: And <laughs> and here's the other advantage of the mastery transcript, which we hope will happen, is that there are extraordinary kids who produce extraordinary work in, in schools that are not extraordinary. Those kids are trapped. And in this system... Theoretically, they could submit their work to be assessed not only by their own school, but by other assessing organizations that have, that issue mastery transcripts, right. including Hawken. Hawken could assess kids who don't go to Hawken. And you wouldn't necessarily get a diploma, but you could get a transcript. And, and it would be allowed kids in schools that, that have, you know, 600 kids for one counselor um, who don't get highlighted very well to produce a transcript that not only shows what credits they earned, but it shows the work underneath it, well, so that if a college it. admission officer wants to say, "Hey, here's a kid I really want to advocate for," they've now got this whole set of data that go with it. So,
0: and from the kid's perspective, so if there's a student from uh, school X that a college maybe isn't familiar with, mm-hmm. and a school another kid from school Y that a college is familiar with, some mm-hmm. private yeah. school or who knows what. Um, they're able to see the work that the students produce. And that's and really critical that's because, huge.
1: and it's assessed work. It's not just something that someone helped them write, right? So a lot of times when kids come from schools where the academic standards of the school are questionable to the college.
0: Which um, may or may not be true. right? They, just, they yeah. see
1: they say an A in English, but for whatever reason, that college doesn't think much of that, of that A. They don't think the school has high standards. They can now click on the kids' essays and realize, wow, this kid really does write beautifully. Right. even though right. I wasn't sure that that a right. was legitimate it doesn't really matter because I can look right at the student work product and go this kid can write that's a really beautifully written essay and it wasn't the essay that they turned in that maybe right. someone helped him write it was the thing that was turned in in this class so and
0: for a kid who's for example um, a kid who does is an artist mm-hmm. all right maybe they're a performance artist mm-hmm. maybe they don't show up well on any standard kind right. of test or even write essays exactly. well but now, a college admissions officer can look at the video of right. them performing exactly. and see right. the kid.
1: And use the word can can't, but they won't have to. If they trust the transcript, if they trust the credits, oh, sure. which we believe they will over time. They can read
0: it time, in under two minutes.
1: They can read in under two minutes and move on. <laughs> and so the kid may be automatically in or automatically out based on that alone. But if they end up being one of those kids on the margins where they really have to think harder, they're going to have this incredible set of evidence that they can use. And we'll build into our into our software platform auditing tools so that they can say, show me every teacher comment about writing from this kid, and then generates an, a, a report, or send, show me, you know, everything about quantitative reasoning for this child, and it pulls it out of the portfolio and presents it to them. So, so this is not us trying to hide anything. Quite the contrary, this is completely transparent. We're showing you the whole child. But the most important part is we're showing you the whole child, not just the narrowly academically defined child. We're showing you the student's character. We're showing the student's skills, not just their content knowledge.
0: And there are schools and even districts and networks of schools all over the world now that have actually for many years been developing these kinds of academic programs and, you know, have gone pretty far with portfolios and all these things. The mastery transcript doesn't exist yet, but together with all these Mm -hmm. folks, we're going to design something yeah. that gives a vehicle
1: yeah. for these guys. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins' work and his one of his premises is first two, then what? So the first thing you want to do if you want to do something complicated is put a great team together. And so bringing these schools together to start the conversation and then broadening it to our friends in parochial and public schools, that's what you do first. You build your team first. And then the team will collectively, with the guidance and the hopefully resources of the MTC, create a new paradigm, a new system. Um, my favorite quote is a quote from Buckminster Fuller, which is, you can't change reality. In order to change something, you have to create a new reality that makes the old reality obsolete. Our current paradigm isn't serving children well, so we need to build a new paradigm. And the only way we can do that is to have smart people on the same team. And so that's what the MTC is doing is pulling smart people on the same team.
0: And can be, you believe there are so many people wanting to do this? Yeah, the I fact we're over 100 schools and so climbing fun.
1: rapidly will we'll be several hundred schools soon, which will be pretty cool. It's exciting. Thank yeah. you,
0: Scott.
1: Yeah, no, this is great. Thanks, Doris.
0: If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. If you're a K-12 educator and interested in developing innovative academic programs where your students gain deep learning and master skills, go to wildfire-education.org.